from the Gospel of Luke. And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer now is nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with the surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unawares. Greetings, friends. Welcome back. Today we are resuming our study in the prophet Isaiah. We're looking at chapters 28 and 29 this morning. And they deal with God's people. And even though this was about Jerusalem at that time, I feel like these words reach through time, through history, and into our day. Because when I look at the issue that God is taking with his people, I see it amongst us now. I see the same problems and the same silliness. And as a result, I'm reminded of that passage in the Gospel of Luke that opened the podcast this morning. Specifically, the part where Jesus says to watch yourself, to take heed of yourself. And not allow yourself to be distracted with drunkenness and the cares of this world. Because what happens is, is that takes your eyes off of him and puts your eyes on the world and then his coming will catch you by surprise. But even worse, your relationship with God will be so-so. He says something similar when he's in the garden, right before he's arrested. He comes back, the disciples are asleep, this happens two or three times, and he says, watch, lest you fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's get to our study in Isaiah this morning. Chapter 28 and 29. It starts with the judgment of Ephraim. But then by the time you get to verse 5, so not very long, suddenly it's talking about his own people now. And so let's open up our hearts and see if this doesn't speak to us right now, in our generation, and in our time. Let's begin. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, 
which has a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower. And as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. Please note, the pride, the arrogancy, the carelessness, I see that in our generation today. The foolishness. It's like Babylon the Great in the book of Revelation. I sit as a queen. Nothing could happen. Even though the last several years have demonstrated all kinds of things can happen. And yet the arrogancy and the pride and the godlessness continues to grow. John Wesley says pride, that proud and insolent kingdom, drunkards, having many and excellent vines among them, they were much exposed to this sin. Ephraim of the kingdom of the ten tribes, who are, who have their common abode, the head, Samaria, might as well be called the head, as being seated upon the mountain, and the head of the kingdom, and the head of the fat valleys, because it was encompassed with many fat and rich valleys. He's pointing out that they were blessed with abundance. Let's continue on. God's going to focus in even more on his people. Verse 5. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink or out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness. So there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine, when that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast? For precept must be upon precept, and precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. So please note, What's the issue here? The issue is that it's not just the common people that are in error, that are in drunken stupor, 
But it says it's the way of the priest and the prophet. It's the religious leaders even. The religious leaders. The people who are supposed to be religious. They act no different than the common person. This is what I see happening in the church today. There is no way to distinguish many who call themselves Christian from the heathen. They're watching the same TV shows. They're using the same filthy language. They have the same idols. What's different? One claims to be a Christian, the other doesn't. Where's the transformation? They have erred through strong wine and drink, and the priest and the prophet, they have erred through strong drink, and they are swallowed up of wine. They are all out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. So then, how are these people supposed to teach Verse 9, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall make you to understand doctrine? A lot of times this uh, next phrasing gets taken out of context as if it's a compliment or a way to study God's word. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line. This is an insult. It's, it's, that's, that's not what it's talking about. He's saying they, they can't understand. They're, they have to learn like children. John Wesley says, For they must be taught like little children because of their great dullness. Line, one line of the book after another as children are taught to read. That's what's being... That's what's being uh, put forth here by the prophet. He's, he's saying the, the priest and the prophet, those who are supposed to be the teachers and spiritual leaders, they stumble, they're drunk, they're foolish just like everybody else, so all the tables are full of vomit, there's not a single place clean, and then he asks the question, who's going to make them understand, who's going to teach them doctrine? For it must be in this way, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. I only hammer that point because I feel like that verse gets used a lot in a, in a way that's completely out of context. Let's continue on here. We haven't gotten very far. Verse 14, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell, and we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hid ourselves. 
please note that verse to me reminds me of the people in positions of power today and in Hollywood and and in every area where authority and power is where they brag about how they have sold themselves to the devil to obtain all that they have and they're just so giddy about it verse 15 says because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell and are at agreement when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. See, they're still arrogant. They think they've obtained some special power by making a covenant with hell. For we have made lies our refuge. And under falsehood we have held, we have hid ourselves. Verse 16. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place. And your covenant with death shall be dis disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over. By day and by night it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. For the bed is shorter than that a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrow than he can wrap himself in it. For the Lord shall rise up in the mount Perazim. He shall be wroth in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do this work his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now, therefore, be you not mockers, lest your bands be made strong, for I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption even it determined upon the whole earth. Give ye ear and hear my voice, hearken and hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open the brake? the cods of the ground. When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches, and scatter the cumin, and cast the principal wheat, and the appointed barley, and the rye in their place? For his God doth instruct him to discretion, and doth teach him. For the fitches are not the threshold with the threshing instruments, neither is the cart wheel turned about upon the cumin. But the fitches are beaten out with a staff and the cumin with a rod. Bread corn is bruised because he will never be threshing it, nor break it with the wheel of the cart, nor bruise it with the horsemen. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is a wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Chapter 29 Woe to Ariel to Ariel, the city where David dwelt. Add you year to year, let them kill sacrifices. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be unto me as Ariel. And I will camp against thee round about, and will lay siege against thee with a mount, 
and I will raise forts against thee. And thou shalt be brought down, and shalt speak out of the ground. And thy speech shall be low, and out of the dust, and thy voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit. Out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. Moreover, the multitude of thy strangers shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the terrible ones shall be as chaff that passes away, yea, it shall be as an instant, suddenly. Thou shalt be visited of the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquake and with great noise, with storm and tempest and the flame devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, even all that fight against her and her mountain and the distress her, shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall even be when a hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but he awaketh, and his soul is empty. Or when he is thirsty, and he dreameth, and he behold, and he drinketh, but when he awaketh, behold, he is faint. And his soul hath appetite, so the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Stay yourselves, and wonder, cry you out, and cry they that are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes, and the prophets and your rulers and the seers hath he covered. And the visions of all has become to you as the words of a book that is sealed, which man delivereth to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed." Please note, what's he talking about here? Part of the judgment appears to be some form of blindness and ignorance. It's like you can read the book, but it's not really opening up to you. You don't really understand it. I just find that interesting. So he's, he de- he describes it as you're, you're like a drunken drunkard, but you're but it's not because of alcohol. You can't see, you can't understand, you can't comprehend. It's part of the judgment. Think about how the apostle Paul says, you know, when they refuse to retain God in their knowledge, he gives them up to a reprobate mind to do the things that are like evil, right? And of course, what Paul describes is exactly what we're witnessing around the world today, especially in Western nations. They've been, we've been given over to a reprobate mind. Same thing here. Now the word doesn't make any sense to you. Now it's closed to you. And he took the book and delivered it to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as his people draw near to me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, And their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. 
Did you recognize a famous verse there? Verse 13. In other words, they talk a good game, right? They draw near to me with their mouth. Yay, I love the Lord. But their heart is far from me, and there's no real fear. John Wesley says this, namely in acts of worships, with lips, with outward devotions. But they do not pay me that love and fear and obedience which I require. And they worship me not in such a manner as I have prescribed, but according to men's inventions, preferring the devices and the traditions of their false prophets before my instructions. I think that is so well put. They honor me with their lips and their devotions, but they don't pay me the love and fear and obedience which God requires. All I hear Christians talk about today is freedom. Except they're talking about the wrong freedom. Because what Christ freed you from was the bondage of sin. He didn't free you to he didn't free you to sin. That's what they seem to think. That they're freeing out of sin and live however they want. No. you. If you have a relationship with Christ, what's happened is, is you've been freed from the bondage of sin. Not that you will never sin again, but it doesn't have the same power over you. How many honor God with their mouth? Maybe even show up to church. Maybe do a cute little devotional. But at the end of the day, they don't actually love or fear. And they certainly don't obey. This is the problem. Therefore, God says, Behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the works say of him that made it, He made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, He hath no understanding? Is not yet a very little while and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. You see, now it's transitioning into punishment for the wicked, but the meek, the poor, the ones who truly loved God, now their joy is going to be increased, and the terrible one's going to be brought to nothing. Verse 21, 
that make a man of a fender for a word, and lay a snare for him that is reproved in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. Therefore thus saith the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, the work of my hands, in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name, and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. And that is chapters 28 and 29. I pray that I did it some justice this morning, that it spoke to you in some way, that it's strengthening you in some way. For me, what's really drawing out, what I really wanted to focus on, was being careful to not honor God with your lips and your traditions. The Apostle Paul says, examine yourself. Am I just going through the motions? Or am I truly honoring God with love, fear, and obedience? Thank you for listening, my friends. Please share the podcast. Help me to get this word of truth out. Please consider supporting the podcast. Scriptureandprophecy.com. There's a donate and support tab. And of course, your prayers are always much needed. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.